0: Anyways, I hope you are in Luke chapter 14. Uh, Luke chapter 14. I want to take some time this uh, this evening. Uh, I want to, because I've been thinking about this concept here that's presented in this very familiar passage of Jesus. And as he is declaring to his disciples here the cost of following him. The cost of discipleship as it is often termed. We have that here presented to us in this passage. It comes from those First couple verses and it says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you in intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Here we have this wonderful passage where Jesus uh, uses two different analogies to uh, sort of bring and impress upon his apostles' minds the, the hardships that will face them if they declare that they want to follow him. Following Jesus is not perhaps the quote, is the, quote, easiest road. It is a costly road. It is a costly life, a costly decision. And Jesus is here, is impressing that upon his apostles' minds. And I bring. I, I was thinking about this passage and about the story I'd like to share with you tonight. Especially as I was studying for this morning's message about surrender. We went through First Samuel chapter 3 this morning. The call of Samuel to surrender to the Lord's will. And just what that means. Thinking about surrendering to God with your life. <laughs> Who does not do that first without counting the cost? Now, I was thinking about that, especially in the life of the man that I want to share with you tonight. You may have heard the story before, but I want to relay it in detail just because I love it so much. It's a story that's very dear to me that I think relates very, very intimately with this passage. In November of 1887, a man by the name of William Whiting Borden was born he is perhaps unlikely uh, un, unfamiliar to you uh, unless you have read some uh, missionary biographies of late <laughs> he was though and i think that's probably how he would want it he probably would want to be unknown to you uh, that's pretty much how his uh, how he lived his life but in his day, William Borden was a very well-known man, a well-known individual. He's the son of a very well-to-do, a very wealthy family in Chicago. They, his mom and dad, William and Mary Borden, owned a lucrative silver mine in Colorado. So they were in this, the quote-unquote, upper class of Chicago life. And yet despite, uh, despite all that, despite his prominence, despite his social position uh, because of who his parents were, and despite living a life where you know perhaps everything was given to him on a silver spoon, as they might say, Borden never wanted his wealth to be the measure of his influence. He wanted to live for something greater, and we will see that he ended up doing that. A few uh, years, uh, when William was just a young, uh, young boy, his, his mom, uh, Mary, became a Christian at the Chicago Avenue Church in, uh, in Chicago under the uh, pastoring of D.L. Moody. Uh, she was saved under his preaching, and Borden soon after that was also saved under the preaching of R.A. Torrey at the same church in Chicago. And he became a very gifted and bright young student. He graduated from actually the the Hill School in Pennsylvania in 1904 at the age of 16. And then uh, just before he was sent off to college at Yale, his mom and dad gifted him perhaps one of the best gifts any 16-year-old, at least in this day and age, could ever get. It was the gap year. Uh, I wish that I had gotten a gap year. Uh, the gap year was a really old tradition, if you don't know, where the parents would basically pay their son's way to basically travel around the world. Uh, they would go along with uh, perhaps uh, another individual uh, or a couple of individuals. And they would travel around the world just seeing sites, seeing different locations, and basically getting an education before they got an education. <laughs> and it was just a year to learn and see the world. And he and so for an entire year, Borden traveled. And then, as it happened, this is not by chance, but by chance, William Borden was actually traveling the world with a missionary by the name of Walter Erdman. And as he traveled the world, he was taking in all the sights of places like China and Japan and India and Syria and, and Egypt and, and the, in Turkey Borden's mind was being radically changed. And it wasn't just his mind though, it was his heart too. Borden's heart was just so struck with all of the people he was seeing. With all of the lives that he saw and the places that he experienced as he was on this gap year educational tour of the world. And soon his life goal quickly changed. He wanted to become a missionary. He wanted to give his life over to these people to tell them about Jesus. And he couldn't wait to tell his family about it. So while he was uh, out, out out abroad on the world, he wrote a letter back to his back to his family and he wrote this. He says, "Quote, I have so much of everything in this life, and there are so many millions who have nothing and live in darkness." There's those millions that he was so burdened to reach with the good news of Jesus. So he wrote about his dreams, about his newfound uh, aspirations, and they weren't very well shared by his family. He wrote about what he wanted to do with his life, and Borden's father was very dismissive of the idea. He just kind of viewed what Borden was wanting to do as nothing but just adolescent idealism. Just something that is a passing fancy, a a fad that will quickly fade on to the next thing. So he was counseled, Borden was, to, to wait until he's 21 before making any such drastic decisions with his life. His family and his friends were irate. They couldn't make sense of the heir to the family fortune wanting to squander it by living as a missionary on some foreign exotic location. But Borden could do nothing else. So he said he'll wait. So even though having been informed that he was wasting his life... By wanting to pursue this goal, by wanting to live a life uh, in pursuit of Jesus and in pursuit of reaching people for Jesus, and despite being told that that was bringing shame to his family and embarrassing their name, he persisted in this goal and he trusted and surrendered to God's plan, whatever that might entail. And he knew that what he was pursuing was costly, but as I think Borden would say, he determined that the cost was worth it. And so, as the tradition holds, He penned a small phrase in the front leaf of his Bible. No reserves. About this time, he penned that phrase to sort of be a reminder to him that there is no reserves for the life that he wants to pursue. Yes, the cost is worth it. There's no reserves on this investment that he is now making in the pursuit of Jesus Christ and the reaching of people for Jesus. So in 1905, he was a freshman at Yale College. Borden was stirred by a missionary who was lecturing at the college about his work in Egypt by the name of Samuel Zwemer. And during one of his addresses, Zwemer reported that there were over 15 million Chinese Muslims who had not heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it can save them from sin. So... Borden, being the sort of precocious young boy that he was, he contacted immediately a China Inland Mission and wanted to get onto the mission field as soon as possible. A freshman in college, signing up to be a missionary in a foreign field. He was told to wait again, however. And in fact, he wouldn't be accepted until 1912, seven years later, after he had successfully completed seminary and gotten gotten ordained. But even still, in those seven years of waiting, Borden wasn't deterred in what he knew God wanted him to do. He knew that God wanted him to reach people for Jesus. This was his burning passion. His burning passion was to bring the gospel abroad. And having been told to wait, guess what he did? He redirected that passion onto the people that were closest to him. Perhaps they were not as big as fans of that as he was. But he began reaching his classmates at Yale. He began preaching to them, seeking after them. He would gather hundreds of students weekly for Bible studies at Yale College. One such classmate of his even reports and testifies of Bill's character that Bill, as they called him, William Borden, Bill hunts up the worst skunk in college and goes after him. He wants to go after the least liked person, the worst skunk in his class. He wants to reach that person for Jesus. And all of this successes what he's been doing at the college began what he uh, what was eventually called Yale Hope Mission in which he uh, under the leadership of Borden would mobilize uh, sort of students as for, for lack of a better word local missionaries to people in their area. It would be bringing the good news of Jesus to many unlikely places in New Haven and in the surrounding areas. New Haven, New Jersey, in fact, was a seaport at this time that was very popular between Boston and New York. So, therefore, it attracted a lot of unwelcome individuals, not nice people, so to speak. And yet it was precisely these people that Borden wanted to reach. Again, he was going after the worst skunks in college. And he was even going after the worst skunks in New Haven. He wanted to reach them for Jesus. These riffraff, so to speak. He was desperate that his life would be used for Jesus. So he established the Yale Hope Mission. Which uh, was offering uh, relief and rest to men, women, and children. And one of the reports from his years of doing this uh, estimates that in one year, Borden's mission, Yale Hope Mission, would see 14,000 gospel meetings. 14,000 people attend gospel meetings. 17,000 people receive a warm meal. And 8,000 people would find a place to sleep for the night. This is what William Borden, a college student, was doing in his location. <laughs> he was reaching very much, as Jesus says elsewhere, the least of these for the sake of Christ. In 1906, Borden's father, who was still very dismissive, still resoundingly uh, disregarding whatever Borden wanted to do with his life, especially in terms of being, having this call to missionary life, uh, he suddenly, though, passed away. Warden's father, even up to his death and afterwards, (laughs) was adamant that William would never inherit the family business so long as he had this pursuit of God. So long as he was on this uh, sort of costly way of living, being a disciple of Jesus. Other historians Writing about Borden's life report that he was turning down job after after job after uh, while he was still in the United States. He turned them all down because he was desperate and determined for his life to be used for Jesus. He counted the worth of his life not by his wealth but by what he could do for Jesus and so it is about this time that he penned another phrase in the front of his Bible, right underneath the phrase no reserves, he penned the, uh, the, the phrase, no retreats. No more, no more reserves, no more going back. This is the life that I have been called to live: a life of discipleship, a life of costly discipleship for the sake of Jesus in his name. So he advances. In his education, in those remaining years between he, when he finally gets accepted by China Inland Mission and his ministry focus is narrowing as he continues in his education. And so now God's call to be a missionary, which was really just a broad sort of call, is, is really narrowing and honing in and focusing on an endeavor to bring the gospel to these Muslims in the Gansu province of China. This work however necessitated he be fluent in Arabic. Of course at this time he was not. So in December of 1912 after being successfully supported by China Inland Mission he set sail for Cairo Egypt for a small window of time in which he would learn the language and become fluent in Arabic in order to reach these people for Jesus. But barely three months into this he contracted spinal meningitis and on April 9th 1913, he passed away in Cairo, never making it to China as a missionary. Never stepping foot on China mainland as a missionary to preach the gospel of Jesus. Before he died, it is reported that he wrote a third phrase in the front of his Bible. Under no reserves and under no retreats, he wrote no regrets. That this life that he had perhaps chosen, that he was called to live by God, was one in which he would not turn back on. He had no regrets for the way that he had lived, for the cost that he had determined was worth it. I'm always moved when I hear this story because it's really tempting to look at William Borden's life and deem it a failure. Borden failed. From a casual onlooker's perspective, that's very likely true. He never made it to where he wanted to go. He never lived up to his goals. He never fulfilled his dreams. He never uh, lived up to all those things that he wanted to do with his life. They were never realized. All of that potential, all of that power and prestige and prominence that he was born into was seemingly wasted. Yet, he seemingly squandered all that on this call to evangelize the world but he died before he even made it there he turned down a guaranteed life of luxury and prominence uh, to tender the love of God to the worst skunks around him to low lives to the least of these and wherever he was placed this was his life and then we have to ask that question is it worth it was Borden's life a waste Was the life that he lived, did he waste it? Couldn't he have done something else for Jesus? Upon his death, Borden actually left one million dollars to China Inland Mission. But I think far outnumbering any sort of dollar amount he he gave to support the mission work of China in- Inland Mission and, and several others were the souls that he had affected for Jesus Christ. Because he, not, he didn't just gave of his wealth, he gave his very life for them. His life was given in order to make Jesus known to people who had never heard of the name of Jesus. And I... I what I mean to do tonight is not intend to use William Borden's life story as some sort of guilt trip illustration in order to tell you that you need to leave everything and do God's will. That's that's I don't think that's the point of Borden's life. I think that his story has far greater meaning and sort of resonance for at least for me than just quote be a missionary. I think what Borden's life reminds us is that Jesus is always worth it. No matter what context you're in, no matter where God places you, no matter if you are where you you perceive to be your calling, your purpose, a life lived for Jesus is never a wasted life. Even if it means you never live up to those dreams that you had. Even if it means that all those goals that you had hoped to accomplish never materialize, never are realized. A life lived for Jesus in his glory and for his sake is never a life that is wasted or squandered. Jesus asked his disciples in Luke 14 that question. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Basically, in this passage, Jesus is asking the question and this determination of the cost of discipleship: Am I worth it? Am I worth your life? Am, am I, are, are you really willing to endure all of the, the manifold pressures and, and persecutions and painful ordeals that are going to come along with following me, with living for my sake? Am I that important to you? Is it worth the cost? Maybe you've asked yourself similar questions before. Maybe not. I hope that you have. Because I think this appeal to the apostles by Christ here is one for very honest an evaluation of your own heart and life to count the cost of discipleship i think that's something that we all must do we must all i think eventually come to this sort of this crossroads and if you sit down the cost Sit down to count this cost. Really evaluate what this, what this type of life is going to cost me. You have to come to the same conclusion every time. A definitive and glorious yes. He's worth it. Every single time. He's always worth it. Because this is Jesus, the one who made you and the one who died for you, is the same one who makes a way for you to live for him now and to live with him forever. This is Jesus the Savior. The one who created you is the same one who paid the ultimate price for you. The one who spoke you into existence and knew you before you were even a thought in your mother's womb. This is Jesus who shed his blood for your sins. Sins that you hadn't even committed yet. He said, I have paid for them all. I have washed them all by my blood because my atonement is that strong, is that powerful. It reaches to the infinite depth of sin and it goes even further than that because nothing can stop my atoning grace. This is Jesus. He laid his life down so that we can find ours where he lays it, lays it down. This is the God of the universe declaring to us, as we know through these gospels, that he came to take on all of that, to carry a cross as he here asks his apostles, are you ready to do the same? Also that the ultimate glory would be his. This is his glory in discipleship. Therefore we can say definitively again, Jesus is always worth it. He's always worth your time. He's always worth your toil. He's always worth your efforts. He's always worth any endeavor that you seek to bring Him glory. He is worth it. Jesus is always worth it. And it is only by uh, fully enveloping yourself in this gospel of grace which frees us to live a life like Bordens. A life of no reserves and no retreats and no regrets. Only when you are given everything by God in Christ can you say that. Because the gospel assures us that everything that we need and everything that we have is given to us in Christ Christ. Therefore, we are free to give our lives away because of Jesus. Jesus is worth it. Every scornful remark that we hear from those around us, every sort of depressing season of life because of those scornful remarks, because of those betrayals, because of those lost friends and lost family members every single tear as Psalm 56 8 says he captures in a bottle Every missed promotion at our job, every lost loved one, every single time we are given a cutting remark, every single heartache that we endure, all of those things, Jesus is worth it all. He's worth all of that. I can't imagine the, the cutting remarks that Borden received from his own family, as it seemed as though he was turning his back on them. But I think he knew that Jesus was worth it. No matter how dark his days were. No matter how grim his present circumstances might feel. Jesus was worth it all. This is the refrain that's going to resound forever and ever in heaven. You don't have to go there but I just want to read this verse. It comes from John the Apostle's vision of glory of heaven. Revelation four verse eleven. Listen to what the angels are singing. Revelation four eleven says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. <laughs> you are worthy because of who you are. And even in the next chapter, Revelation 5, verse 9, listen to what they're singing. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Why? For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood and out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Oh, you are worthy because you have been slain in our stead. You are worthy. This is the melody that's going to be on repeat. Reverberating in the halls of heaven. Shaking the walls. You are worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is Jesus. The one who gave everything for your sake. For your salvation. You see, rather than... Spending your life kind of piddling around with, with popularity or pleasure or power or any of those sorts of things that the world offers. Jesus invites us to let go of our lives and to give him our deaths. That's what Jesus is, is inviting us to. Instead of trying to hold tightly to the things that we hope give us life and give us peace and give us uh, rest and give us security, Jesus says, give me your death. (laughs) I think that's why he talks so often about those who have to come after him must die to themselves. Because so often we'd rather live to ourselves and he says, give me your death. Because I am the resurrection and the life. You see, the only way To ensure that you don't waste your life is to spend it in pursuit of this God. The only way to find your life is to lay it down. At the feet of this one who gave up his life for you. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ can free you to do that. So, whatever today or tomorrow might hold, the cost of following Jesus is always worth it. It's always worth it. Even if you are the only one making that determination. Even if you are surrounded by many individuals who have determined that, that that whole church thing isn't worth it. It's not worth their time. It's not worth their efforts. Any of that. Make your stand. Determine that it is worth it. Because Jesus is always worth it. By all accounts, Borden Borden failed. According to man's standard, that is. He never made it to China and even preached one sermon on that soil. He failed. You know who also was seemingly a failure? Jesus, too. Think about it. He seemingly failed in what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to be the Messiah who was supposed to come and overthrow Rome and bring back Israel back to dominance. Here he has this band, a small collection of 12 men. And when he dies, there's no one next to him. They've all ran for the hills because he's being deemed a blasphemer. He died in failure, by all human accounts. (laughs) But of course we know that he was up to something much better. He was up to something much, much greater than just overthrowing Rome. He was overthrowing sin and death and the grave. Because he is the resurrection and the life. The same sort of thing I think applies to Borden's life because his life wasn't a failure. Because any life that is lived for Jesus is a life that is worth living. Borden's gravestone reads this. That apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. And I would concur with that. There's no explanation for such a life as William Borden's. Because it seems ridiculous. <laughs> that's that's sort of the point. To the world it will seem like foolishness. It will seem like a waste. It will seem... That you're devoting yourself to something that cannot ever give you a return. And that's because our return, our reward is not here in this life. It's secured for us in glory. No one but God would orchestrate such a life as William Borden's. But I think that's sort of the point. It was orchestrated by God. He epitomizes, I think, these words in Luke 14. To count the cost of following me. And Borden determined. He went through all the algorithms. He went through all the formulas. Jesus Jesus makes it worth it. He is worthy every single time. So I wonder tonight. Have you counted the cost of following Jesus? What it might cost you? I... I he's going to say is this: it might cost you a lot more in the days ahead. It might cost you a lot. I've, I've just been reading a lot lately about other sort of biographies of, of Christian theologians in the past, and I, this is in my notes I meant to close, but I just had to share this thinking about what it costs men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others. And what they eventually did, and there's countless others. He's just the first that comes to mind because I was just reading about him this afternoon. <laughs> he determined that the cost was worth it, even up to his own life. He eventually lost it. I wonder if the same is coming for the American church. I'm not a I'm not a prophet, so I don't know. <laughs> I just knew I do know this. That living for Jesus does cost, it costs you something. And eventually it might cost you everything. Are you going to be able to say he is worth it? That he is worthy of that? I pray, I pray that you can have that same sort of testimony. A testimony of no reserves and no retreats and no regrets. Why? Because he is worthy. Let us pray.